0: hey guys hi welcome to another episode of bitch i'm just Just trying to to graduate. graduate this is season two episode two entitled
1: research do's and don'ts yes
0: yes and i'm just gonna start it off research is tough it's supposed to be fun especially if you're passionate about what you do but never forget that research is tough it's not built for everybody but Although it's tough, we are here to be your guiding light, (laughs) your lighthouses. Your
1: magical black unicorns.
0: Yes, through the storm of research. Because we've been doing this shit for years. (laughs) Not as long as some of these seasoned vets out here who live, breathe, eat, and shit out research. Mm. But we're pretty cool.
1: <laughs> That's so, usually when we think about research, you have this, there's different stages. So, you have like your proposal stage where you're thinking about what you're going to do for your research. So, you're reading a lot of literature, you're trying to figure out what questions, what gaps in the research. Mm-hmm. Then, you're determining your methodology. So, you're figuring out how you're going to do the research. What do you need to do to answer your questions? Then comes the fun part data collection. This might take in the form of doing field work, maybe if you're doing surveys. Um, talking to people, data collection, data mining. I do a lot of work with a lot of data so I do like meta-analysis. Just basically I steal all the people's data that done research so I don't have to actually go out into the field. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Um, And then after you do that you have to clean up your data, you have to analyze your data, Mm -hmm. interpret your results, write it up, make sure your entire story is coherent from start to finish, from introduction to discussion, and publish it. So there's a lot of components.
0: Yeah. And mine's is pretty much the same way. I'm an old school girl. I actually like to get my hands dirty, go out in the field, mm-hmm. go collect samples, go talk to people who probably have nothing to do with my research, but just want to know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you know. And that's kind of just, yeah, everything you pretty much said, I'm I'm along that same line.
1: Don't get me wrong. I get my hands dirty.
0: All right. Damn, skip I Only
1: one or two days, though. <laughs> i
0: would be out here like, I've been out here for an entire month. Yeah.
1: Um, I look crazy. My research literally involves going to two sites once a day, counting all the plants, measuring all the plants. It only takes one day. And then I spend the rest of the year analyzing the data. (coughs) Um, At least for one of the projects that I do. Sounds like a win. Yeah. So most people, they love field research they love being out of the field a lot of the grad students i talk to they absolutely love collecting the data counting the birds taking the soil samples i don't like that i mean i'm just giving examples okay counting birds
0: counting uh, birds collecting
1: water samples being out on a boat in a kayak no being out on a lake in a kayak kayak okay you know i'm just trying to like you know i'm trying to be inclusive of all the different research people do um collecting ticks. Tick dragging. Just yeah. Some what? people love that. that <laughs> It's I know that shit hot. I did it. I, I have did PTSD
0: that. about tick dragging. you <laughs> yeah, we got stories on that one.
1: Uh, you know. Trapping animals. So I'm just trying to like, you know, let you guys know everything. Um but sometimes that goes by so fast. You may be doing just in the summer months, three months. Like I said, my field research happens two days in July. And then it's done, so you might feel a little jilted, because the next thing you got to do, you got to go back into this office, sit at this desk, stare at this computer, stare Mm -hmm. at numbers, and...
0: It gets boring. It gets boring. It gets boring. It's like, and then you stare at it so much that you start developing, like, one thing I've done that is like an error on my part, and thank God I didn't... Mm -hmm. go further I realized the error I started staring at my numbers and realizing I was interpreting them wrong Mm. so I was like huh why does that look so funny to me I was like I can't use this data I'm gonna have to throw it and I was like oh (laughs) I was like okay and it literally took me walking away from my numbers and then going back to them like after a couple of days to being like okay that's where you messed up
1: yeah it's always good to like review your data and just look closely at it to make sure that it looks right. Mm-hmm. Like if you know you're supposed to be collecting prevalence data, which usually is like decimal points or percentages. Yeah. And you look at the data and there are whole numbers. There's the number two. Some may right. Point two. Something or not two percent. And these are human errors.
0: Uh-huh. Something ain't right. <laughs> you gotta check. And don't be afraid to ask people questions.
1: Like who put this in there? What does this mean? <laughs> um, yeah. Check for outliers. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about our research do's and don'ts. So an experience that we have had in research that if we could go back, we would do it differently. Mm. Or we wouldn't do it differently. So I'll go first. Yes. In my third year, so I'm a modeler. I build models, writing code, things like that. And as you may have known, I... I have patience, but I don't have that much patience. There's a limit to my patience. I'm ready. Like, when I'm trying to do my research, I'm like, gung-ho, let's get it started. I'm confident in my abilities. Um, And sometimes I'm not as careful. So, and that can be a costly and timely mistake. So with me, um, I built this model where I write up all the code, and I had been testing it. On my computer, which was a slower computer to make sure it actually works before I sent the code to the supercomputer, which costs money. And because I'm running thousands of models, time and money, lots of time Mm -hmm. and money. So um, as I'm testing, usually a practice of when you're trying to test your code, you do small parts at a time. So what you do is you comment out part of the code. So then the computer won't recognize this and try to run it. So this is how you figure out errors. So I did this and I was like, okay, my code works great. I'm good. So now I'm going to send it to the supercomputer and run it. Um, But I was not careful... And looking over my code, and what I ended up doing was not making sure all of the code was not commented. So there oh, was wow. one line of code that was commented out. So it had a hashtag in front of it. So the code, so the computer wouldn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. So then I send my computers to send my code to the supercomputer, and I knew just from calculations, that it was going to take about three months for my code to run. So basically, I knew that I was going to send it there. I was supposed to set it and forget it. And there was no way for me to actually... The way this code works is there's no way to really check on the progress. You just have to wait till it finishes to find out Till so you so you can see your results. So I did this. I wasn't careful commenting out, you know, making sure everything was right. And when I got my results back, I assumed everything was fine i looked at the data i was like okay i know i'm i did what i gotta do i analyze it i had already signed up to do a lab meeting so i created the graphs and then i was like you know this seems weird but if that's what the model shows that's what the model shows like i'm not i'm usually not a person that i don't I don't, what did it call it? I don't, like, data mine. I don't, like, try to perform a whole bunch of different analysis to try to get the answer that I want. No. I figure out what analysis I'm going to use, and then whatever the results are, I figure out an interpretation for those results. So I did that, and then as I'm... So I figured out, and I'm still trying, I was still trying to figure out an interpretation, but the purpose of our lab meetings is usually you present your results, and you kind of get feedback from other people about what stuff is. So I really didn't have to have a... a a, a good, rep- a good um, interpretation by the time I had this lab meeting. Tell me why the day of the lab meeting, as I'm preparing, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to screenshot some of my code so I can show them what the code looks like. And as I'm screenshotting my code, I see this hashtag at the top of the code, which was the one that identified the variables. <laughs> oh, shit. So part of the variables that was supposed to like be... Changing didn't change. So that's why my results showed yeah. No, I'm listening. Oh, that's why my results were like, Oh, there's no effect. Because the part of the code that was supposed to tell it if it was an effect was not there. Oh my god. So, so I sorry. spent like I think eight hundred dollars um using the supercomputer three months wasted because I just wasn't careful. So if I could go back to my past self, I'd be like, you know. And this is why now I always double-triple-check my code. Find I, like, to do, like, mm-hmm. control-find. I, I, like, you, you kind of learn different things. I just, like, because I know that a part of my problem-solving, my error is, like, um, find errors is I like, comment out parts of the code. So before I submit my code to any, like to the supercomputer or I run it for if it's going to be a significant amount of time I always do control find look for a hashtag to make sure nothing is commented out because like when I write my code it usually is like long pages so you can your brain can easily just forget that that number is there Yeah. I also use a program now that um, subline that kind of color codes the code so, when I originally wrote my code, it was just an R, so it was just black and white. But now, it actually makes things different colors. So, if something's commented out, it turns gray.
0: Yeah, I do so. that with just R. They now have it set up. Oh, where... yeah.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, RStudio now has it. But this was before I had all those little plugins and stuff. Oh, trust so, me. So, yeah. Be... Now, I wouldn't say... So, be more careful. Now, you know, there are some people that are just, like, so anxious that... It would take them three months. They would take three months to double check it. They would continually double check. At some point, you have to be like confident in your ability to do it. But I know, like me, I was like, I need to get this model running. Fuck it, it's done. I'm ready. But now I'm it. just I'm like, a, you know
0: what? I'm a quadruple checker. Like I, I check yeah, have it.
1: a limit. So be like, okay, if you say I'm going to check this four times, and then make sure those four times are like separated. Yes. You can't check them four times back to back. Mm-mm. Um, but don't be like, oh, when you get to the level of checking it ten times or fifteen times You got a problem. That's O C D. Um, yeah, you might want to get that checked out. Yeah. So what about you, Maya? What's something if you could go back and redo?
0: Well, I have two stories, a good okay. one and a bad one. Um, so everyone knows about my first year in my PhD program and how trash that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back then, um, I had a terrible advisor, so I'm just going to keep it at that.
1: Fuck Dolores Umbridge. Yeah.
0: Go back to season one if you want to hear all the horror stories (laughs) of that lady. Um, But when I first came in the lab, I was under the impression that I was doing an aquatics project, and I was doing it based on, like, stingray samples or some shit. And there was some aquarium, we would go up there, collect a whole bunch of DNA samples, and I was supposed to isolate out DNA and all this kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. Mm A whole bunch of just DNA analysis done. Um, Turns out that project wasn't my project. Oh, yeah. It was for a veterinary student who was getting a master's and decided that he couldn't drive his ass here to do the sampling. I ended up having to do the data analysis. Of course he was white. And um, (laughs) I was so pissed because I was like, I basically wasted a semester where I could have been developing my own ideas and so on and so forth, working on some shithole asshole who I didn't even know Mm -hmm. project. And I was like, no, like, I kind of was like, I don't want to do this project anymore because now it's been presented to me in a bad way. This pissed off the advisor because they were like, well, we brought you here under the impression of doing this project. I was yeah. like, yeah, but my introduction is basically doing someone else's work and they're going to go and write an entire thesis off of this and I will be is in the acknowledgements. You're not yeah. using me for labor. Yeah, no. So I Low really...
1: Author. Yeah, yeah I minimum. felt
0: used and just really, really... I was just wasn't here for it. So, of course, she says, fine, you're right. I'll let you make a project. Two things happened. I wrote a mini grant and I got money through a program at our university through a toxicology program. They approved it. They said, this looks like an interesting project. Mm -hmm. Here's some money. Do it. So, cool. She was on board. I was on board. Yay. That was the last she talked about that project.
1: So, she just like...
0: So, I literally had the proposals I wrote up and my ideas that went into that And I basically was trying to do a project off of this based on one paper I wrote, five pages. That was supposed to be my blueprint to my PhD. Mm -hmm. And she was just going to say, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, have you thought about this? Occasionally.
1: Okay. So occasionally feedback, but not really.
0: When I say occasional, I mean Mm -hmm. rarely. No No investment at all. No investment because it was something she wasn't interested in.
1: Mm. And I was like, that's
0: fine. It's cool. Transfer it out.
1: I mean, I I make a promise to this day. If, and if I ever do this, y'all can check me on it. As a professor, I will never take on a student whose project I'm not interested in. And, if I'm... But no, actually, if I'm not, it's not the project. Like, it's not. It's the... You don't have to be, that's the thing, like, when I'm in classes, I don't have to be interested in the class subject to get an A in the class. I don't have to be interested in the project to mentor the student or advise the student on how to do the project. I hate when people, like, oh, I'm not interested. This no longer holds my interest, and I won't care about it. And here's the thing.
0: I just wanted her truly to understand how fucked up it was that I was doing somebody else's research. Right. And how that basically made me feel like I don't give a shit about that project no more. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, you were just a new graduate student. You don't really have any power. I'm like, no, if you let these attitudes and these behaviors persist, they're not going to understand when they fucked up.
1: The only way you don't have power is when you don't demand your own power.
0: And that's it. And I I wasn't in there and I wasn't going at her bitchy or anything. I just said, I kind of feel... That I'm being used to do this person's research when they should be coming down here and isolating their own DNA samples mm-hmm. and doing whatever they need to do. Hell, you
1: doing the methods that—that that is one of there's a thing where there is what qualifies co-authorship. That qualifies co-authorship. And they and again,
0: black girl. Yep. From the south, mm-hmm. don't know that much about how y'all work in the Midwest and all of that shit. I'm just learning these things. Oh,
1: they still try to put that shit in the Midwest, and I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing nothing if I'm not getting credit for it.
0: And that's my whole thing. I don't do nothing unless I get paid, Mm -hmm. and I don't do nothing unless it evolves around my project. But it's just been these learning things that have just happened, and for her to, you know, I guess that was her way of getting back at me for basically being like, this project, it ain't my project. Mm -hmm. This is somebody else's. Oh, well, you can make an idea out of it what idea? Like, no. If it's not
1: your project, especially if you're not really interested, were you interested in the project? I was
0: interested in the project until I realized this was somebody else's whole project. Oh, right. Like, she wanted me to just branch off an idea from somebody else's project. I was like, no. Like, now, but- now I've started to understand how this works. There's nothing else that we can get out of here. He's actually asked, he was answering a public health question. Mm-hmm. You know I'm interested in an environment on public health. Right. I'm not finna... No. And it doesn't seem like you're trying to help point me in the right direction of where I need to be. You just want me to stare at his data long enough and help him publish and get out of here and I'll then waste a whole semester or a year trying to define what the hell I need to be doing. Right. Meaning that I'll have to go through the process of critiques and criticisms, meaning that I'll probably waste another semester Mm -hmm. having to get all that stuff together. This was just not well thought out. Yeah, that's
1: that sucks,
0: so. So that pissed me off, but, Woosa. I'm in a better place now. I have a project I like. It answers a lot of environmental and public health questions, and it's a project that I helped create. Yep. That was even better for me. It does not necessarily have to do with what I got my tox fellowship for, but they were willing to help me go through the process of changing that project to fit something that was better for me. And that, that was better for my new advisor because I got the fuck out of that lab. And I've been happier ever since. Every summer, I spend at least a week or two out somewhere. And I've been collecting soil samples, water samples, toenail samples, whatever for my project. And it makes me so happy to do it. And the best thing I do about it is that we plan these things so far ahead. That we don't go down there and we look like, oh, my God, I don't know what we're doing. Right. Like, we at least have a month, a month and a half of planning. Make sure all the supplies is ordered. Make sure we know where we're staying. Because
1: you need that credibility when you're down there. Yes.
0: Make sure you reimbursement stuff is handled before you go. I, I mean, like, it just feels so good to be in an area where you feel like it's up to you. It's your project. I'm the one that makes the final calls on stuff. Mm-hmm. I have that independence, and I make sure that everything is down to the T.
1: Right. So, I will say, having been her lab tech this past summer, she she got everything planned. Yes, I, mm-hmm. All I gotta do is show up. Hey, <laughs> I
0: love it. I love it. That's my Yelp
1: but review. Like, what, you, what you want you to do? <laughs> my research Yelp review. <laughs> and if I fuck up, she'd be like, Sam, I need you. Yeah. Don't don't say that to them. Don't scare them.
0: Yeah. I mean, just be nice. Yeah. Be or hospitable. Just, just th- let me talk about the health effects. Yeah. Don't tell them they're going to die. I, just, well, you know. Yeah,
1: or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to die,
0: right? Wait, because oh. it's me. <laughs> and no, I did not uh, do that. No, okay. you didn't. But, you know, some people, they'll yeah. be like, yeah, you know, you're going to turn purple. And I'll oh, be like, God. please, please, Lord, don't tell people that they're going to discolor. But, no, like, those are my two things. I had a situation where I was kind of thrust into research, and it wasn't really... In the sense of, I understand critical thinking, but you're not even giving me guidance to kind of help me mold that critical thinking. Right. Whereas the place where it was more of a collaborative team feel, where I implemented my critical thinking to someone else's critical thinking, made a cool project, and then basically got to feel like my own boss. So, it was beautiful.
1: All right, cool. So, now we're going to get into our tips. Um, They... Cover a lot of topics from the from the they cover a lot of stages of research from introduction and doing a lit review to planning your research and doing the results and actually implementing your research and writing the discussion. Yeah. So I go first. Go ahead. My first one is plan, plan, plan. Yes. You need to make timelines for everything. I like to use smart goals. So smart goals. Are and this is a capital S M A R T. That means you have to make all your goals specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound.
0: I love smart goals. I Me love too. them.
1: So let's just break those down quickly. So for specific, your goals should be clear and specific. Otherwise, specific. I. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pronounce the S. After and the every third one, I was I like, damn, I gotta help. Like, sometimes. No, you can't help. This has been me since middle school. So, I was just like, I'm saying this and I hope they don't catch it. I was like, i S-P-E-C-I-F-I-C. <laughs> um, so, they have to be clear. Otherwise, you won't be able to focus your efforts Yes, or feel motivated to achieve it. Mm-hmm. So, when you're drafting your goal, you need to answer the five W's. What do you want to accomplish why is this goal important, who is involved, where is it located, and which resources are involved. And
0: this tip right here is good for grant writing.
1: Yes. Who, what, when, where, and why. There you go. The second one is it needs to be measurable. So you need to be able to track your progress. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to write. That's not measurable. You might say, I'm going to write one page today. Like, a few weeks ago, I wrote a five-page grant. Guess what my goal was? Friday, I was gonna write two pages. Saturday, I was gonna write two pages. And Monday, I was gonna write one page. Notice, I was working on a weekend. Mm -hmm. But uh, it it was 4th of July weekend and I was traveling. So those really, like, those were my my non-travel days. But um, And it was a grant that I found out about, like, hey, you need to write this grant and you have three weeks. So, yeah. That was my overtime. (laughs) Um, So, a measurable goal should address how much, how many, and how will I know is accomplished. Yes. So, I was like, two pages. How would I know is accomplished? You did it. There's two pages. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the third one is it has to be obtainable. So, it needs to be realistic to be successful. So, for this one, you need to be able to answer, how can I accomplish this goal And how realistic it is giving time constraints, financial factors, things like that. Two pages, me, I know how long it takes me to write. I know that I kind of just don't have a problem just doing word vomit on the page. Um, It's usually more the revising process I have. So for me to say I have to write two pages in a day, I knew that was going to take me about four or five hours. Yeah. So for me to write two pages in a day, four or five hours, that worked. Um, it needs to be relevant. So it means you need to make sure that goal matters to you and it aligns with all your other goals. Yes. Hell, relevant. I have the right two pages for a grant. It's for money. That's relevant. <laughs> I know, right? Relevant A-M, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did it seem worthwhile? Yeah, it's going to fund a grad student. Is it the right time? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's due in two weeks. Does it match other efforts or needs? Yeah. Yes. I need to get <laughs> tenure. Am I the right person to reach this goal? Damn right. Uh-huh. and lastly it has to be time bound so you need to have a target date my target date was to have all five pages done by that following Monday yeah so when is it due it was due in two weeks I needed to have it done by Monday so I can get comments on it so then I can revise it because it was due in two weeks Mm -hmm. so I set a smart goal I planned it I had my timeline and I was good
0: you know what? You know, since our first season, I will say, <laughs> I am not ashamed of it. I started working back from deadlines. <laughs> and
1: yay! it's not bad. It's not bad.
0: It's not good. <laughs>
1: but it's not bad. But it's not bad. I think it might depend on who you have and who tells you, because now you have a different advisor, and it yeah. probably helps you to work back. And It's, not, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's been
0: working thus far. But every now and then... Your girl gotta go like, "Hey, look, I know. Let's do like in two weeks, and I need to just go ahead and do this." Right? That was it. So, but it's not bad. I, I, I take back all the slander I said in the first season.
1: But the slander was based.
0: <laughs> slander was, was basically saying I
1: work backwards, but I didn't want to say that. Yeah, I know, because even when you was talking about it, I was like, "Okay." Uh huh.
0: I, I was like, "I don't believe in that working backwards thing. That's there, for you,
1: people." I think I might have had some shade when I was like. Oh, I think I might have been like, Yeah, that's working backwards. But okay. If you don't wanna count it call it that, we can call it somewhere else.
0: And now I'm like looking Alright it's not bad. It's fine. I've I've owned up to it, I admit it.
1: Use a thesaurus, I find a cinnamon. cinnamon.
0: For I have sinned. It's fine. I have sinned in the academic world of not saying that I do not work backwards and I know that now. Thank you all smart ass academics. I recant. <laughs> all right keep going all right sorry guys all right so my first tip is pdr
1: mm-hmm. we talked about that in our last uh our, our last episode of our last season
0: and it's not pbr it's pdr not with ribbon it's pdr which means plan do relax mm-hmm. that's my mantra for everything I set up everything that I stay ahead of my research. Mm-hmm. I know what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. You you pretty much have wrote out you have three specific aims for your dissertation. Mm-hmm. You pretty much giving yourself some wonky deadline whether you look at it forward or backwards. <laughs> Thank you. And uh-huh. you know that you got to stay ahead of yourself if you know that your ultimate goal is to graduate within whatever the hell you want to graduate. Mm-hmm. So I always plan stuff and I try to be as thorough as possible in my planning. Field work, I plan it. Writing, I plan it. All the in-betweens, how I'm trying to avoid going to the seminar talk that has absolutely no interest in me, I plan not to be there. Like all that kind of stuff.
1: Just don't spend all your time planning.
0: Don't spend all your time planning. There's a
1: meme that say academics spend 90% of their time planning what they're going to do and 10% of the time actually doing it. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) So
0: you plan and then the next thing is to put your plans in the motion to do. You got to fight through it and just finish what the hell you need to do. If you know that your goal is to have this manuscript out by the end of summer, you need to do everything you can to make sure that your manuscript is out by the end of summer. Mm -hmm. If you know that you got field work to do and you need it done by a specific date so that you just stay on track for graduation, get it done. Like, you've already planned it. You know it'll go off effortlessly, at least in your head. Mm -hmm. Like, just stick to your guns, do what you need to do, and make sure you're on track. And the last one is relax. Look, I'm all for people taking breaks. I feel like your workday should at least constitute to you taking two breaks as well as it, whether you bring your lunch or not bring your lunch. Make sure you eat. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm one person to say I will take a um, break. I'd rather be 10, 15 minutes. That's my time to walk around my building and you know, work on your legs a little bit. Go sit outside for a second. Work on your tan. Work on your tan for like 15 minutes. Do your social media stuff. Which, let me be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know how many times I walk into folks' offices and they have like their manuscript or the grant they're working on and Facebook right here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how
1: do y'all get shit done? See, I don't. See, me, people notice. Like, people like, oh, you post a lot. Usually if I post on Facebook, it's early in the morning Yeah, before I get to work. It's around noon.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's after work. Yeah. Like I I I like post it. like you can kinda guarantee what time I post because I don't open it. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb while I'm in there and then I'm like, okay, it's my lunch break. Let me go ahead and then I might like post like four or five things back to back and then put it down and then I don't see it again until like five or six.
0: Yeah. And I mean that's okay. I'm (laughs) on it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. And that's my thing. It's like Do what works for you. I I know people that can write and post stuff or -hmm. or they just constantly have to post something. I had one person, they post something like at least every hour. Mm. And I'm like, there is no way in here. Do they buffer
1: that shit?
0: No. They just periodically look on and have a rant ready for something.
1: There's no... People (laughs) say that they can multitask. You can't multitask. Like, there's been studies that physically, it takes a certain amount of time for your body to adjust from one task to the other. So-called multitasking. If you say, if you think you can multitask, no, you cannot multitask. Look. It takes a certain amount of time for you to actually... Get focused to a certain time, so yeah, I can't remember exactly the research, but you can't multitask. some or you can do multiple things, but you're not doing them as efficient and not being as productive.
0: When my husband Kadeem was preparing for his um defense and everything. Mm-hmm. He deactivated most of his. Yeah, most media. people
1: do that. People's over there
0: tagging me and shit, looking for him, and I was like, oh man, he oh, well. l- I was like, he loved that. <laughs> Uh, that's funny <laughs> he's just getting mad cause I'm like man did you see that joke going around mm-hmm. but I mean like you gotta do what you gotta do to stay focused yeah and I know people get...
1: that deactivate like my friend he, did, he was preparing for a bodybuilding competition and mm-hmm. he deactivated um, his social media so oh, he can prep Trust just really mentally.
0: If it ain't B I J T G related, you'll get a response eventually. <laughs> like, that's me. Like, the only one I I'm active on mainly is Instagram. Yeah, because you
1: don't have to interact that much. Faster. No, you don't.
0: Just post a picture every now and then, say you're still alive and keep moving. And then <laughs> that goes again with relax. And it's mainly just making sure you take care of yourself. Making mm-hmm. sure that Outside of all the academic stuff you're doing, you do still know how to switch your brain off of academic mm-hmm. to just being a plain civilian that enjoys reading books and baking cookies or playing video games or whatever Ben's the fuck you like to... Been watching Netflix, getting cable. I don't care. Like, all the things you enjoy, do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just do it within reason and make sure that you're still getting work done. Yep.
1: All right. All right. So, my next one is, write things down as you go. Write as you go. Don't wait till you're done with research to decide that you're going to write. I struggle with this. Write, You know, you had to write a proposal. When you wrote the proposal, when you were writing the proposal, you were doing the literature review. Yes. So, obviously, when you're doing the literature review, write a tentative introduction. Yeah. When you were doing the proposal, you wrote methods of what you plan to do. As you're doing those things, revise your methods to what you actually did as you're doing your analyses, as you're using R and SAS and all those things, and you performing the analyses, write down the results. As you do them, like you look at a graph, if you create a graph, go ahead and save that as a PDF or a PNG and put it in that document. That is true. And label it as a figure. When that you're performing true. those analyses and you get that R squared and those P values and that AIC, go ahead and put it in the table. Do not wait till the end to say, oh, now I got to make these graphs. I need Hallelujah. to make these tables. I need to do all this stuff because... <laughs> 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 right. The... Final thing, then you write your discussion and then start thinking about as you're looking at it, what do you think these results might mean? Don't just be like, huh, I think this means this and I think that means that. Why don't you write down, I think this means this, like literally write it down as you are doing it. You do not want to go back six months from now and looking at a graph and you're like, what that mean? What that mean? And write your
0: limitations first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your limitations Things are not Things that mold. you know you can't yep. do.
1: When you're writing those analyses and you're trying to do something, you see that something's not working. Write down what's not working. working. You have a small sample size. Are you missing this data? Write it down. Yes. Write as you go. That way, when it is time for you to defend, this is how I did my stuff. When I was time for me to defend, my stuff was already basically written. Yeah. I did not have to be like, I didn't have to put in a whole bunch of overtime to like try to finish my degree. And I was literally was like, oh, okay, come on. My advisor was like, wait, what? That's how mine's is shaping up now. Yeah, because you yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this past year you're probably like, oh shit, some of the tips we as we the, the <laughs> good thing about this podcast is as we're talking about this stuff and we're thinking about it. We're living it. We're living it and we're figuring out what works and what don't work. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well why am I doing that way? And we're actually doing research and we're like Googling stuff and like how you do this and how you do that. And we're like, oh that's a good idea. And we're actually implementing it as it happens yes so and it's working i definitely
0: get it i will say one thing to that um basically when you were talking about uh like writing as you go and stuff Mm -hmm. it's a process yeah um you're not gonna just do it overnight you can some people do do it overnight Mm -hmm. good old good kudos for you and um some people it might take you a little bit more time but like if you're writing all those proposals for your prelims and quals and stuff like that start taking that stuff and forming it in dissertation format and mm-hmm. forming it in manuscript format and start just preparing yourself for
1: things. Right. So for me, I, um, and this kind of, like, so this kind of goes into this. This right as you go. So like for me, for every project that I do, for each chapter that I had, I had a folder dedicated to that project. Yes. And in that project, I had like drafts. So I had drafts folder. I had a results folder. I am inside my results folder um, inside my data folder I had like all the data and then I had a results folder a figure folder so I would put in like when I saved my figures I put them in there and then when I say anytime I made a new version of the figure I, I didn't overwrite the version and I named them actual beneficial names so I can knew what I'm looking for you don't yeah. want to be writing your stuff and you can't figure out where this figure at or where this that mm-hmm. I would have a, um, I have a template like just a, a regular template Word document, Word template that has, like, introduction, methods, results, and discussion. Mm -hmm. So then as I'm doing stuff, I'll just put it in that section. And when you're writing, I'm not talking about you have to write fully formed sentences and making sure everything flows together. No, they can be bullet points. They can just be these ideas like this, tentative titles, like an outline. Yes, so long as you put your
0: ideas on paper.
1: Right. So when your your time for you write, you can just go on that and start filling in the blanks. Mm Mm-hmm. And make sure you save it as something that is like, don't be like, draft one. Save it as something that actually, so you know where it is and what it is. And when you update it, and if you make any substantial change, make a new version of it. So I would never like just completely delete something. I would just make a new version. Mm-hmm. So if I ever have to go back or redo an analysis, I can be like, or I'd be like, if I because like if I do analysis and then like someone suggests I do it another way, so I redo it, And then, now I have two drafts. So, then I have that one. And if I was like, "Mm, you know what? This doesn't work. I can go back to that first draft and I have those results of that analysis. I don't have to, like, rerun my analysis because I deleted everything. Yeah. Because Word is not an unlimited undo.
0: (laughs) I agree with everything you said. All right. So, my next tip Mm -hmm. is, it is okay to say no to research you are not interested in or that is going to hinder you from graduating. Mm -hmm. It is okay to say no to research. That is That you are not interested in or that is going to hinder you from graduating.
1: It is okay to say no.
0: It is okay to say no. Now, listen. I have been a part of a lot of summer programs where I've had to take students from various institutions. Mm-hmm. And I usually get students from HBCUs. Don't get mad at me. Don't at me. That's what I do. And um, I usually have to be their mentor for the summer. Mm-hmm. I have had situations where that has worked to my advantage as the kid gets an education, they learn research, and they enjoy their scientific experience at Mm -hmm. a different institution. I get the benefit of being a good mentor, and I also get the benefit of also getting some additions to my research done. Mm -hmm. Things that probably would have been set back if I had a crazy advisor or somebody that wasn't looking out for my best interests, would probably I would probably just have a whole new project I have to do with some student. Mm-hmm. I have seen cases where people have had to basically rearrange their summer plans pertaining to their research to cater to a student or a visiting student, a summer mentorship program type thing where they are sl- where they are slowly being hindered from doing their research because they now have to look out for other people Mm -hmm. or they've been told they have to do collaborative research on a project they don't give a shit about. But they saying, oh, it has money and it's going to fund you so you have to do some work for that. No. It's okay to say no. Now, the only way it's not okay to say no is if you're getting like a research assistantship funding from it. But... Through that, you might have to negotiate how much time you spend on what. Like, if it's down to 10 hours or 20 hours per month or or per week, then you need to negotiate how you're going to spend that time and make sure that it doesn't hinder you from doing your research. I've had to do that. And from personal experience, I pray that no one ever has to go through that. Because having to do research outside of what you were there for is frustrating. Because you're a scientist. You don't want the research to be bad. So you are going to end up putting more passion into it than you want to. But that's just you. Some people just don't care. And they're just going to be like, well, I did what I was supposed to do. by. I'm one of those people. I don't want you to leave with bad data. I don't want you to come do my work and leave me with bad data. And that's that. But it's okay if out of the circumstance of you needing that money mm-hmm. to stay funded, if you say no.
1: Right. So so I guess let's explain a little bit about what this, what you actually mean by the research assistant, because a lot of us in STEM, when we are brought into a program, we usually have funding. So the advisor usually brings you in because they have funding for whatever project you're going to do. Yeah. So that means your thesis is also you working on your thesis is how you get paid. Mm -hmm. Sometimes funding runs out or you might be in a situation where the project, your project is not funded. So you have to be funded by something else. Um, most likely is usually a TA. So, like, usually a TA, teaching, that's not your research. So you spend 10 to 20 hours a week teaching, and that's how you get your paycheck. Yeah. Some cases, you might be funded on an RA. So a research assistant that is not your research, but that's how you're getting paid. Right. So you're working on someone else's project to get paid. Make sure you want to do a good job. So please don't. If you're working on someone else's project and that's, the way you get paid, you need to be a good employee. You Treat it like it's your work. project. It's treated like it's your project. However, you don't have to go above and beyond. If you're getting paid for 10 hours a week, that 10 hours a week, you dedicate that 10 hours a week to doing that project. Mm-hmm. Do not dedicate 30 hours a week to doing that project because you're only getting paid for 10. Just yeah. like if you was teaching and you're only getting paid for 10 hours a week for teaching, do not spend 30 hours on teaching and if you're only getting paid for 10. That, what we call, is them taking advantage of you and you being taken advantage of. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. I can't think it off the top of my head, but it's not a good word. Probably something manipulative. Or I'm just saying, like, I don't want to call them your gullible. Go- no, I'm not gullible. Yeah, so you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that person that getting taken advantage of. Mm. So, So, mine kind of goes along with that is limit side projects. You will have your entire life to do research. Yes. You need to do what is necessary to get your degree. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the bare minimum, but do the bare minimum. Like, you need three chapters for your dissertation. You need two chapters for your master's thesis. Do three chapters for your dissertation. Do two chapters for your master's um, thesis. Don't be trying to do four or five chapters. A chapter usually has... One overall objective, maybe two or three aims. Yeah. Do not have a chapter with three overall objectives and six aims. No, that shit needs to only have one objective, one overall goal, and two to three aims. Usually you might have two tables and three to four figures. Do not make it where your dissertation has 12 fucking figures. If it has 12 figures, that is three Chapters. You don't
0: know supplementary tables. Somebody ain't teach you that.
1: I still don't even like supplementary tables because that supplementary shit can go into another paper. I. It depends on what it is. Like my supplementary table was like a table of all 135 um, species in my main analysis. But when you have some people be having. Doing additional analyses No, that don't make and no damn putting sense. it in their supplements, having mm-hmm. two or three or four appendices. Those appendices have totally different analyses. That's a whole nother fucking chapter.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm so, talking about like if you go, if you got an AUC curve or something. Yeah, and you that's a supplement.
1: It. That's yeah. a supplement. I'm talking about whole entire another analyses. No, you need to fight your advisor. No, but the thing is, it's not always the advisor. It's the student that are trying to do a lot. And it definitely gets on us as POCs, people of color, because we always feel like we have to... We, it's not that we feel like we have to. We have to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. But some of us, we feel like maybe twice as hard as not. We's like five, six times as hard to try to like prove that we are good enough. And yeah. now, I know that I did say in an earlier thing that I work really, really hard. But guess what? Me working really, really hard was not working on that same chapter. It was me doing other papers. Me doing... My side projects were continuing stuff from my master's thesis or something else. And it was stuff that was not pertaining to my thesis, Mm -hmm. my dissertation. People, I would give... Like, I would have a conversation with lab mates and things like that. And they would be like, Oh, you should think about this and you should think about that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I did. It's going to go in another paper. It's not going to my dissertation. And then they look at me like, oh, you're just going to do it. I was like, nope. This is the question I'm asking. They're like, oh, you're just going to do the bare minimum? Yes, the fuck I am. I am doing the bare minimum. I am doing what I need to do to get the papers to get this degree. I will have the next 30, 40 years to do research. Yeah. Now that I am a professor, I have so many ideas that I'm going to do. And guess what? These ideas are going to go towards me getting tenure. They're not going to go, they're not in a dissertation because why would I waste all my ideas on that? So limit your side projects. Do only what is necessary to get your degree. If you really want to do a side project, make sure it results in another paper, not as an appendix Mm -hmm. to your current dissertation. And literally figure out what's the bare minimum you need to deposit. Because if you sit up there and propose four or five chapters to your committee, For you to get your dissertation, guess what? They're going to expect four or five chapters before they sign off on that. If you propose three, you only need to do three, and you can still work on the other two,
0: they're just not going to be required to get your degree. Let me tell you something. The best thing you can say is, I want to get it done, and I want to get it done correctly. Mm -hmm. As my advisor always says, a good thesis is a a done done thesis.
1: thesis. A good
0: paper is a done paper. There you go. So... That goes back into what I'm saying. Now, when I say fight your advisor, I don't actually mean... <laughs> Let's duke it out. Get the fisticuffs on your advisor. But you should be able to have heated debates, arguments, and sometimes... Disagree. Respectful dis- disagreements. Not confrontations. Disagreements with the advisor, and you both leave still respectful.
1: Make sure other. you Jedi trick that advisor. That too. But my
0: tip is to be clear and direct with your advisor mm-hmm.
1: from day one. Day
0: one. Um, that communication is key. There ain't really much more I can say about that. You need to be able to be able to talk about your grievances, any issues you have, and how to make things right. If you if you feel like your research is going away, and they feel like your research is going away, and it doesn't really feel like you guys are meshing together, you i should be able to be comfortable with each other to sit down and see what you can do about making it right for both of you. Mm-hmm. Because as we stated before. If you fall out of love with your project and they fall out of love with the project, it's going to lead to a lot of disaster. Mm -hmm. So always make sure that you're open and clear. You don't have to be your advisor's best friend. I don't want to be my advisor's best friend. (laughs) But I do want to be able to look at you and be like, hey, as your student, I feel comfortable with this and I might need a little bit more guidance in here. And I'm trusting you to help guide me to being a great scientist. That's how I look at
1: it. All right. So, my last tip is own your research. Boom. Is your research. If you are a graduate student and you are fortunate, and I emphasize fortunate because not a lot of us get undergrads that are able to help us. Not a lot a lot of our advisors are not paying undergrads to help us. I was fortunate to be in a lab where my advisor valued undergrad research. I also value undergrad research, which is why I intend to involve as many undergrads as possible in research and make sure I pay them and make sure I am equitable about who gets these opportunities. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But if you are fortunate as a grad student to be working with an undergrad You cannot just tell them what to do and disappear and hope they do your work. Yeah. Work along with them. Yes. This is not micromanaging. It is, at least at first, work along with them. See, don't just be like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to write up a protocol. I'm going to give it to this undergrad. And then I'll see you in three months. No. There are several advantages to this. Because there are some undergrads, there are some grad students that will write up a protocol, they will give it to the undergrads, and then they start working on something else and don't do any supervision of this undergrad at all. They will give them grunt work and menial tasks. And then in three months, they look and see what they've done and they haven't done really anything. Because that graduate student did not take the time out to test run this protocol, to see what works and what doesn't work. And undergrads are always so afraid that they're going to mess things up. Sometimes they're so super careful, or they're afraid to ask questions because they think they're going to get fired. They're afraid to tell you that something isn't working. So they will sit there and try to figure out stuff and then you end up at the end with bad data. And you can't get mad at the undergrad for that because it's your project. It was you that did it. You are supposed to be, you are the mentor. You were supposed to do it because let me just tell you a story. So, um, and if she's listening to this, she already knows my thoughts on this and we already talked about it and she knows that she probably should have changed what she did and she actually did change it. But there was an undergrad that wrote a like, wrote a protocol for her students to count insects. So there's a grad student that wrote a protocol for her, for undergrads to count insects. So count and measure and identify them. Mm -hmm. So she gave it to them, she said about the task, and then she was working on her prelim, because she was like, I'm too busy to do anything. I have to focus on prelim and passing my prelims. Which, yes, prelims are important, but... So is your research. Yes. So once she's finished her prelims, she's like, okay, now I have time to help the undergrads. And granted, these undergrads have been working on this for three to four months. So she goes up there and she realizes she has hundreds of samples. And they have barely gotten through them. And she's like, okay, wow, this is going to take a lot. I'm going to start working alongside them. And as she worked alongside them, she realized that they were counting every single insect. She didn't um, realize that they did not need to count the ones that were below like two millimeters or something like those. It was unnecessary. So with her working through it, she was able to cut the time in half. About sampling, um, identifying, and 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 counting the size of all the animals because she was mainly interested in grasshoppers and things that birds eat she wasn't interested in ants and things like this but because she didn't specify it for the undergrads they did everything they were measuring ants they were pissed (laughs) oh my god well i mean no they weren't pissed but she was kind of pissed and when i talked to her i was like you can't be pissed you can't really be mad because you didn't tell them. like because you didn't because you didn't realize, oh, they're going to be ants. And they just knew the count insects. And an uh, ant is an insect or yeah. an arthropod or whatnot. So I was like, that's kind of, you know, mm. me, on the other hand, when I was doing my meta-analysis, the one undergrad that I was working with, I worked alongside her because I had created this database. And as we were, as she, like, she was working on it. um, If she was working on it, I was in the room and I wasn't working on it. But mm-hmm. when she wasn't in the room working on it, I was working on it. So I spent several, you know, I spent maybe... 10 hours of my week working on this um, entering extracting data for the meta-analysis from papers and stuff like that and as I was going through it I was like okay I need to create a column for this I need to create a column from this this is not working Mm -hmm. this is you know making the form better making it easier to enter the data um, modifying the descriptions to make sure you knew what needed to go into each column yeah so basically just take ownership of your research It helps you troubleshoot. It helps you ensure that the data that you are collecting, because you don't want to just set an undergrad or a lab tech to a task, and then a year later, you look at the data and it's not usable because it wasn't done right, because you didn't put any input on it. Or a year later, you have this timeline on when you want it to be completed, and then it's not completed because you underestimated how much time it would have taken. Because it's easy to say, oh, This will take 15 minutes per sample. But when you're actually on the ground working on it, you will know how much time. Because it ended up being hard for her to complete her timeline. She had to start working weekends, coming in love on the weekends to try to catch up.
0: I agree. I mean, and just be respectful. Yeah. The people that's doing your research don't be
1: like yeah it, don't don't treat them as grunts make sure this is a learning experience for them yeah right. they're getting paid but they can get paid work at mcdonald's or starbucks make sure not
0: even just that they might really have a passion for science right? and
1: you started off that way be humble right yeah but yeah and then if they want to try if they really want to be in science when they are applying for jobs and people are asking them about their research experience you know i'm like well i entered data Mm -hmm. I counted insects. I don't really know what the project is about. Tell them what the project is about. Make sure they're interested interested in it. And and they know what the questions are and the overall aim and what the outcomes will be and what these results can mean.
0: I, I tell you, half that stuff, some people out here are true light killers. I've literally seen students get disinterested in research because they've had one bad REU experience. Yeah. And just don't be that person. And I'll close this all out with the final tip. Um, Ethics, people. Mm -hmm. Make sure your research is ethically and socially logical. Know your research to participants and cohorts. Mm -hmm. I have sat through so many goddamn presentations where I could tell that the entire cohort of this study was white women. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Look, Not
1: diverse at
0: all. You're looking at maternal stress or you're looking at pregnancy and the effects of, of something on kids. And you always want to make some type of economic thing or make some type of outrageous, borderline racist assumption hypothesis that somehow is because they're poor, they got this, this, and this. And it's always in research areas that are predominantly black, but your entire sample set is full of white people. Uh. I am tired. Make sure your research is ethically sound, that you are not disgracing the people who you are supposed to be caring about, (laughs) that you are not disrespecting them, and that, on top of that, it is socially logical. Do not keep publishing these stupid-ass papers that are not looking at anything, dealing with half the stuff that you want to look at, because... All the people that you can get to be a part of your study are white women. It looks like you need to move your project somewhere
1: else. Yeah.
0: Stop I mean, it, just,
1: I mean it, it, means it only applies to white women. Or whatever demographic year you're doing.
0: As I've said, I'm tired.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that it, also, it also gives me, when people try to say, oh, this is it. I was like, well, guess what? When they talk about, like, BMI, I'm like, guess what? They use white women from the 1920s. does not apply to me. So, check it out.
0: I'm very happy that a lot of public health papers are starting to move away from um, BMI and they are looking at waist Mm -hmm. circumference because it's not the best indicator either. No, it's not at all. But at the same time, it's answering a better question than... More so waste of confidence In terms of pregnancy mm-hmm. It's answering a better question Than your body index Because there's a lot of people That are going out here And they're being labeled as obese Right They could probably run a mile and a half Faster than I can I'm technically morbidly obese mm. The lies Lord have mercy I know right And with all of this, we're going to wrap up our episode for today. Please make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, our Twitter is probably our most active, B-I-J-T-G underscore podcast. Um, we have a website, the link's in the bio of our Instagram and our Twitter. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check that out. Please make sure you like, share, subscribe to our channels on SoundCloud, as well as if we have made it by now, YouTube or not. And... <laughs> And that you just give us a rating on Facebook. Uh, give us a rating or a review Apple Music, on Apple uh, Podcast, Google Podcasts, and all these yes. other podcast places. Um, thank you for listening and see you in two weeks.
1: Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.